All right, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. This is an interesting one. This is an inaugural. An, 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 an inaugural? An inaugural uh, podcast because we have this really new fancy equipment, which allows us to be in person. Yes. So we have this equipment. We're in my office, and uh, we thanks to uh, Dr. Bart Santos, by the way, really? for telling us to buy all this wonderful equipment. It works really well. And it allows us to have an in-person podcast, which we've never really been able to do. It's always through Zoom, and we have different microphones. We're in different spaces. So this is really cool. So it had to be Brittany style. Yeah. I'm very lucky to have Brittany Simon, our hygienist, our hygiene lead, and part of the Bulletproof Hygiene team with me today. And in true Brittany style, she bought this beautiful bottle of Cabernet. <laughs> very, very expensive bottle of Cabernet. And I had to rush over and get these glasses here because patience. Because patience. Because patience. That's why we drink. Yeah. Why do you drink? Well, I don't know. Because, because patients are gone or because patients are beautiful. Patients are beautiful. They're wonderful. We love them. Yeah. So we drink. So I have a bottle of scotch here and uh, we're going to come to you today because we want to talk about um, leadership de development. And also in true Britney's fashion, it was about three o'clock today and she came over to me. <clears throat> excuse me and she said uh hey what are we gonna talk what's the agenda for today what are we gonna talk about and i'm like you know we're just gonna talk about us and like how we've developed along blah 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 i start talking and i see her typing away i figure like surfing like, like looking at instagram <laughs> or something like that and at five o'clock you know literally 20 minutes ago she's like should i print the agenda i'm like agenda brit <laughs> what, what agenda <laughs> what agenda and sure enough for those that are actually watching uh... right now there's like a one page bold and indented beautiful agenda it's just a testament to who you are and yeah. how when a person like me and a person like you get get together it's amazing magic can happen it's true it's true and you knew that i would bring an agenda i did not know that are no. you surprised i am very surprised are you i mean i just i don't know i've not been on your podcast i don't know what level of preparation goes into it oh it's usually like 10 pages <clears throat> oh my god that's this amazing is okay yeah this peter and good. i never have this so um, I just wanted to talk about, because I hear, you know, we had a, a guest today from um, Maryland coming in, a dentist from Maryland, he's part of our mastermind. And he said to me, he's like, you're so blessed. You have, you're so lucky you have all these amazing people mm -hmm. and you're just really lucky. And we know because magic is hard work. We know that it wasn't just luck. It was a lot of effort and time and energy that came into our relationship to make it as special as it is right now. Right. So wanted to talk to you about like the life cycle of how we came to be. Yeah. So I think that one of the most important things to kind of reflect on is that a lot of good things for us in our practice came out of some really shitty situations and some really hard things that definitely at the time didn't feel like opportunities and yes. didn't feel good and yeah. just felt like we were about to crash and burn. And I know for you were probably really scary moments as a doc owner and I wouldn't have wanted to be like in your shoes at those times, but I am really thankful that you chose to grow and lead and kind of like, even though it was really scary time and a time when you could have like turned and run for the hills if you really wanted to, like you didn't. And you just kind of like stepped up and chose to learn and chose to like grow, grow through it, you know? So kudos to you first and foremost. But I think that one of the major things or one of the, the major initiating points of our like our strong relationship in the way that it is now is like the 2018 exodus of our highest producing hygienist oh, yeah. and it was a huge transition there were a lot of it wasn't a pretty transition no it was very hectic yeah and at that point i mean i'm happy that you, saw, you thought about that and said that because it was in moments of sheer terror that that uh you know we 
we I couldn't see a way through it. I was super scared. And when when a doctor, uh, when the leader or the owner of the organization gets scared, they usually revert to control and they try to control the situation. This situation was uncontrollable. We had our highest producing hygienist, the one who literally did like 60, 70% of more than anybody else. Right decided to leave very abruptly. She was the lead. I'm using air quotes for those who can't see. Mm-hmm. And it was very scary. And it was, it wasn't really, we had no way through it. We didn't know how it was going to work out. And um, it, that's a great point to say that when people, when things are most scary, that's when the magic can happen. Yeah. If you allow it to. It just, it creates space for something else. And sometimes I think, you know, in the absence in a void, like it can be filled with something worse it can be filled with something better, you know, if there's intention behind it, or it's, it's designed to make things better than it, it can really go in the right direction. And I think that, you know, to your point of docs and people who have a lot to lose in a situation like that, like, obviously, you have a ton to lose, right? Like, not just did you lose the highest producing hygienist, but you lost our then leader in air quotes or not, like the person who was then leading the hygiene department. So then what did that leave? It left the void of leadership in the hygiene department. So you or someone else had to step into that yeah. and it left the production and collection void. So that's huge. That's a, that's a big deal. You know, yeah. it's a really big deal. And the knee jerk reaction is to micromanage. Right. So what we wanted to talk about today is that it takes the, you have to shift in your consciousness for the owner of the business. We'll call that the leader and the team member. So there, there requires a shift on both ways. Mm-hmm. So when the shit hits the fan and everybody's freaking out, the leader is going to come down and micromanage because you're scared right. and you're fearful. And when you micromanage, the team members like, what the hell? This person doesn't trust me. Right. So it's a, it's a death spiral if it doesn't get fixed. It really and is. I remember early on, like some iterations of me trying to micromanage you, like with the lip balm, mm-hmm. you know, and Brittany and I, um, for those of you who are familiar with Culture Index, Culture Index is something that we use in our office to kind of understand our, each other's emotional temperament and our, our strengths and weaknesses. And one of the things that Brittany and I have both in common is we're both very emotive, emotional people. We wear our hearts on our sleeve. Um, we can get easily, our feathers can get easily ruffled. We're not logical. We, we, we approach the world and how it feels. So I would come into Brittany's room and be like, hey, the lip balm, get the lip balm, because I was just so scared and out of control that I thought with the leadership of the practice, you know, going away in the hygiene department, I've got to come in and sweep in and micromanage everybody. Britt feels like I don't trust her and it's a bad cycle. And we just maneuvered through it because we had the type of relationship where you could actually come to me and say, Hey, Dr. C, when you do that to me, it makes me feel like blah, blah, blah. And I could see how that um, could manifest as a problem. And we worked through that. And from that, I think it was like, there was, there was, might've been a conversation. I can't even remember but maybe there was a conversation where I actually kind of laid it all out. I don't know. How did you wind up taking the lead of hygiene? I think that I just started doing some things and then the hygiene team took a vote and I was already doing some things. So okay. they were just like, oh yeah, Britt's already doing it. She can just have it. Okay, <laughs> like it. go roll with that. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. your thing. Got yeah. It. So and that's often how it is. It's never yeah. voted. It's appointed. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, chosen yeah. as a leader. Yeah. Right. So you start stepping up. You say, give me some freedom. I got this. Um, I step back, I give you some space, you fill the space. Not even that at first. I think at first there was, okay, you feel a loss of control and then you micromanage. And then we had to talk about the lip balm and you're very receptive. And I think that that's a key point is like, you're fearful, but still receptive to me saying like, Hey, you're really crushing me here. 
Like, I know, I feel, I feel that you don't trust me. I feel insulted. Of course I'm putting lip balm on the patient. It's a small thing. It's looking back. It's really embarrassing by the way, for me to (laughs) think about lip balm. Like there's so much shit that goes on. Yeah. Right. Like I'm picking on lip balm. Right. That's like, you fucking kidding me. Like I'm running the whole department. Well, the way of course that it makes anyone feel or me feel is like, okay, you put the lip balm on. Like, it's like a doc when they come in and like check my perio chart or something, or like yeah. they come check for calculus or something. Yeah. I'm like, really? I was just like... scared that the experience would go away. Oh, of course. It was just, it was coming from a place of, of fear and the, the doctors that are out there were just scared. Yeah. We don't, exactly. you know, we go through four years of schooling. We know everything about how to cut a crown prep. We learn shit tons of medical stuff that we'll never use again. Like, you know, mm-hmm. if your patient comes in with a gunshot and their hand is like this, like, I'm a freaking <laughs> dentist. When's someone coming to, they come in with a gunshot, I'm sending them to the ER, but legit, that's how they talk to us in dental school. Oh, wow. So, but they give us no business management, no other way of um, navigating, you know, teams and development. So it's just scary. And we don't know what we're doing. And that fear translates into, I don't trust, I'm scared. Right. And then the team's like, this doctor's crushing me. Right. What is he doing? Or she doing? Right. And so I, I just am really proud of our relationship because that was the first shift. The first shift was like, okay. You're taking it. You you made a decision for yourself. Like shit, I'm here anyway. Let me mm-hmm. just step up and start making things better. Yeah. I know how to make it better. Yeah, you knew it intuitively. Yeah, I did. So you you gave yourself the permission somehow to say, I'm just going to start doing this stuff. Yeah, and and I maybe I was distracted, or I'm like, you know, this this person has you know, some growth opportunity or something like that. But then it started this inertia of you just getting shit done. Right. And then it was undeniable. Yeah. What you were doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at first, honestly, for me, it was a little selfish because I felt like there was so much missing in our department and I didn't have room or space to express that or to start implementing any of my thoughts or ideas. And that was across the board, I think. I think that the leadership that we had before was very stifling and it was very, you know, one way and very uh, minimizing of other people's ideas at times. And it was like, you know, the consensus of the hygiene team was very much that at the time. So I definitely felt that way. So when you know, a person left. And I just saw that there was space for me to make things better for at least myself and and, in the ways that I saw could be better, you know, could benefit everyone across the board. I just started doing that. And one of the things was making actual agendas for our our hygiene team meetings and kind of like, what's the old business? What's the new business? Like, what's the protocol for making sure we're following up on this stuff? Because we would have a lot of meetings, um, you know, prior to me kind of stepping into that leadership role, but I didn't feel that they were very fruitful. Yeah. Like it was kind of like, why are we spending two hours after work? If we're all going to be here and invest our time, like we're all willing to do that, but to what avail, you know, right. if it's to no avail, then it's not worth it for anyone, for us or the practice. So started just being a little more intentional about the running the meetings and scheduling the meetings and, and giving people notice too, because people would always come to the meetings with the same complaints, like, oh, there's no, there's no food, we're hungry, you know, we didn't know that this meeting was happening until yesterday, and we don't even know why we're here, like, it's just a gossip session, or it's just a this, or a just bitch, a that. Uh, yeah, it didn't, it didn't have a direction, you know, <clears throat> so that was one thing that, like, I think started really changing, because that was, like, what are our current challenges, what are our pain points, kind of thing, and we started addressing those in our meetings, and then it kind of, like, spiraled and snowballed from there. And from there came the new SOP, from there came more calibration, from there came collaboration with the periodontist, from there came quarterly reviews and socials and all of the things, you know, because those were, those for me personally were missing. And this is a place where all of that is possible. So right, what a shame, what a travesty. Exactly. So like from, like for me, that's what I want. Like if you had gave me a magic wand, I'd want what you created. But I just don't know how to do it. And, And I'm so low detail. Like one thing about like our different personalities, like, I, I am, I'm, I, I love moving ahead. I love winning. I love being with people, but I'm super fast paced and super low detail. 
So even this agenda that came from this was like a five minute brain dump. You're like, what are we going to talk about? And I literally just talked right. and you're typing away. And then this manifested from this amazing agenda, which we probably won't even follow, but what, what you, <laughs> which we're currently not following, which we're currently not following, <laughs> but it's just amazing that, um, the alignment from what I wanted for you guys and what you created are exactly alike. Mm-hmm. And it's just what a relief to me as a leader of, an, of the organization that I don't have to be the guy that does it. And I don't right. want to be the guy that does and it. And you shouldn't have to be, and no one can do it all. Right. No and it's one. also just not, I'd rather you express your own vision for the hygiene department, which you have so beautifully. And we have such a high engagement, loving, amazing hygiene department. Yeah. It's an amazing thing. And if we really think about, you know, a dental practice, I know there's a lot of disparaging comments that are coming out on the Facebook chats and stuff like that, where people are hitting on their hygienists because, you know, all this stuff going on, whatever, there's like a big rift in dentistry. And I just want to push it forward that the hygiene department is the life of the practice. It's the lifeblood. Mm-hmm. And we, Peter and I always say that. So it runs so incredibly well. We have no shortage of hygienists that want to work here. Right. I am not in charge of hiring them because we all know the last time I hired one, you know, that girl got, you know, <laughs> right. arrested and all right. that stuff. So I just, I don't, I am not good at everything. I realize that I shouldn't be in everything. And it's such a beautiful feeling for me to allow people a space so that people like you can step up and fill in. And it's always what I wanted, but how interesting it, the process was corrupted by my fear and security. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was, it's like any other relationship. I mean, I, I, I want to just draw the parallel, like when you're in a romantic relationship, for example, at first it's like, okay, can I trust this person? You know, what is the person going to do? And then sometimes you can just self-sabotage. Like, I don't know, for your own shit. Right. So it's the same thing in a work relationship. You know, like I'm nervous about what you can do. I don't give you the space. I'm crushing you and you get pissed off and you'd leave. Right. Or like we can talk this through and you can step through it. And it's, it's just really cool. Yeah. Okay, stop what you're doing. The Bulletproof Summit is coming at you June 3rd and 4th at the Grand Hyatt in Nashville. The Grand Hyatt is located in the Gulch, which as most of you know, is the best area of Nash Vegas. So we'll be featuring new, never-done-before Bulletproof tracks for doctors, team, and hygienists. There's going to be some VIP tickets available, but book by May 2nd, and you can receive some group discounts for your team. Prices will also go up for the last 50 tickets, and tickets are already half gone for this event, and it will sell out like all previous years. This is the biggest no-brainer in dentistry. If you want to elevate yourself, your team, and your practice, check it out, bulletproofsummit.com. See you there. But one thing that I want to ask you is if you, you know, clearly you had a vision for the hygiene department, but if you thought and from your view and everyone's view, like it was going really well before our leader left, what did you, did you ever imagine our hygiene department looking like it does now and running like it does now? Like in your vision, is this what you saw or were you not sure what you wanted this to look like until you saw it happening? So I, I am a visual person. I have like, I have really good vi- visionary capability. Mm-hmm. So I can imagine the chocolate cake. I can imagine what it looks like mm-hmm. and how it feels mm-hmm. and uh, what it's going to be like. But building the chocolate cake, how much eggs and sugar, I can't do that. Right. I don't have the capability to do that. It drives me batty. So the funny thing, and I re- the, the, when I started realizing this is well beyond me, is when I go to you periodically and be like, hey, we should do this. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, what the hell? We've been doing that for like three years. <laughs> and I started feeling like Dr. Evil. You're like, like, throw me a bone. I've been frozen for 30 years. Like, and it would be like, hey, Brett, we should do this. Well, we have like a 20-page SOP on that. Yeah. You want to read it? I'm like, no, because I don't have the capability and the brain power and the patience to do that. But yes, 
the feeling of what our hygienists have, mm -hmm. the camaraderie, the the support network, the mutual lifting up and, and fellowship right. that the hygiene department has. It's exactly what I wanted. Yeah. I just didn't know how to build it. Right. But if I, I could describe the feeling, you could have met me 10 years ago, like even in my vision, I would have said like, it's a group of mutually supportive people that are trying to grow each other and trying to bring out the very best that they can. Yeah. So I knew I wanted that feeling. I just didn't know how much eggs and sugar it would take to make it. Yeah. And I, th I think that there's a couple of like pieces that might be missing from a lot of practices. And one of the pieces is like being able to see what's possible, like, and maybe seeing a practice running well and optimally and yeah. like thinking to themselves, like, Oh, I don't think that's possible. I don't yeah. think that's in the realm of reality. You know, yeah, kind of I thing. knew it was possible. Yeah. I just knew it like in my heart because I'm like, okay, you go to the Apple store and people are engaged you go to Starbucks and people are engaged and you go to these restaurants and people are engaged and the mm -hmm. team really cares about it. We're changing lives. I mean, no, no, I'm not trying to, you know, throw shade on Starbucks or Apple store, but the Starbucks Frappuccino is not really a good thing for you per se. Right. No offense. It's just yeah. high sugar. It's not, it's not going to enrich your life. Right. But like what we're doing is life-changing. You're helping people become more healthy. We're taking people out of pain. We're doing transformational work. So why is it that they can create such high levels of engagement, but mm -hmm. dentistry can't. Mm -hmm. So dentistry, I just saw dentistry was broken. So my whole mantra in 2008, when I started writing the visions down, my, my vision for the practice is we want to revolutionize the practice of dentistry. I said, I'll revolutionize it in this box, but I always knew that it'll spill over and we'll be doing this type of stuff and we'll be on the airwaves and trying to revolutionize it for other people. Right. I just knew that was going to happen. Yeah. I just didn't know how to get there. Yeah. I could see all those wheels turning in their head at the same time. Yeah. It was, <laughs> I, I can was imagine like, that. Yeah. So yes, you created exactly what I thought could be done. Exactly. Yeah. Because we're so linked together. We work together every day. You know who I am and how we want to be. And we share the same ideas for what dentistry can be. So it was, you just built it all. You right. built it underneath that framework, which is so cool. Right. It's really possibly one of the most proud things that I've accomplished and you know money comes and goes unfortunately we're all doing really well but when I look around when I walk around these halls it, it just fills me with such joy like Dr. Mike was here today <clears throat> the guy visiting from Maryland mm -hmm. he's like you are so blessed you are so blessed and I'm like I know I am but it was a very intentional thing and the magic that we created is really hard work and I saw Janet Taylor walking out with a patient she's like kind of touching on the shoulder and they're yeah. giggling and they're looking at stuff I'm like yeah. I just love that shit yeah. I love human connection I love this little box that we created that's a social experiment for how to just all get along really well and just focus on doing good for people what an experiment such an experience a beautiful experiment yeah it's the thing that I'm most proud of and that you know on the days that I'm not even working you know I want to be here and uh, I want to be here, you know, drinking scotch and wine and helping other people right now, too. Exactly. So we're combining and, all of our. <clears throat> and you interests. are on your days, air quotes off. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get back to the agenda, Britt, since, since we have this. So I think here is a good point. So people running their own lives at home and then coming to work and like asking permission to use the bathroom. Kind of thing. Yes, I love that. Like, idea. I don't know. I, th I think and I've seen in so many different workplaces and not so much here a little more when I was new you know in the early years like 14 15 16 when things were really ramping up and we and no one really knew what we were doing because this is a whole experiment it so, is you know it's it's a multi-specialty giant experiment yeah experiment box is a great term for it but I think that it's so interesting how just in the workplace in general you know humans as much as I think that a lot of people beg to differ with the statement we're all capable 
you know, we go home and we run our daily lives, like some a lot better and maybe a lot more functional and in a healthier way than others, you know, and depending on your, how you measure success, like Mm -hmm. maybe some more successfully than others, but we all go home, you know, we have kids, we, we pay bills, we keep our things in order. We make our daily lives work for us. Right. And then we come to work and switch our brains off and let someone else tell us like, okay, what we should say and do and how we should say it. And when when we can use the bathroom and when I can take a lunch and when I can look at my phone to call my kid at work, if they're sick or or kid at work, kid at school and see if they're sick or whatever. Um, And I just think that's so interesting how it's almost like there's this culturally, there's this cultural thing where like we're trained to come to work, switch our brains off and let someone else do the thinking for us. And from a boss standpoint and from an employee standpoint everyone is okay with this whatever this process or this we all drank that kool-aid we all drank the kool-aid i'm not sure Mm -hmm. how and when and why and how that all the evolution of all of that and how far back that that goes i think that a lot of it is just control based like humans like to have control so oh this is the control person this is the, the people under the control person you know controlling these other people and managing these other people and like whatever it's not working though it's not it's not working so it worked really well i believe in the industrial revolution when i was the boss and i paid you to put like a nut on a screw and screw it and then move it to the next thing right it was time on task you were a factory factory worker and if we really think about it like education is based on like the factory worker as well it's time task you got a bell, you got to do this quiz. I mean, why are we memorizing like the Crimean war when we have Google like in our pocket? Like, right. Why are we doing memorization? Right. We have, I'll all have calculators right at our fingertips. So right. education's broken and I don't want to get too tangential, but work is definitely broken. Work is saying, leave most of the human at home. Just bring the process, the, the, the robot. Mm-hmm. And people get really frustrated because they're like, why don't people just do what, they, what I tell them to do? You don't want people doing what you tell them to do. Right. And I think in dentistry, we try to over-process people. Like there's so many consulting companies out there. Like here's the five steps that your employees have to follow when making a new appointment. Like you'll sound like a freaking robot. Right. You know, like when you talk to like some customer support centers in, you know, in foreign countries and like, hey, you know, they take you through a process. It's so annoying. And I really think that with what we do in dentistry, People can't perceive our quality as we always talk about. They can only perceive how we all, you know, the perception of how we all get along and how we're working together as a team and the human aspects of it. So when you turn that stuff on, I think you get a more successful practice. You get a more engaged team member. And frankly speaking, you have a more successful organization. I don't want to do the thinking for you. I don't know what to, I don't even know what the problems you're facing. Right. Well, and you cannot physically do all that thinking. Like you can't be with all the hygienists all the time thinking for them and telling them what to do and how to talk to the patient and to put the lip on. You can't, you can't physically do it. So at some point there's got to be trust and autonomy. Yeah. At at which point breaks is what happens. Right. You have one hygienist and you have two and three and then it just breaks. Right. And on the, you know, the employment or like the, the stakeholder side of things, like it is not at all fulfilling to come to a workplace where I step through the door and turn my brain off and become a robot. Not at all fulfilling, not happy there. You know, this is like the mentality that like, I can't wait to retire kind of thing. Like, Oh God, retirement, that's going to be bliss. I can't wait to like be my own person and be outside of these walls and blah, blah, blah. And this feels like a cage kind of thing. Like when there is room to grow and evolve, when there's autonomy, when I can think for myself, when I can turn my brain on, when I walk through the door and get excited about what we're going to create today. And I understand the purpose and where we're going as like collectively as a practice, it excites me. And creates fulfillment and it creates like, I want to do this. And also knowing that you, the practice owner, you are fully engaged and fully, you fully buy into where we're going. You know where we're going and you believe it a hundred percent. And I can see that clearly, like I'm ready to jump on board. And then you give me the freedom and the space to do that. 
like yeah. great all day long the paradox though and i keep coming back to it and the unfortunate it's like a travesty mm -hmm. is that dentists actually want that they want that with their teams but they're just scared shitless and they can't like let go of it so they control people they micromanage them they microprocess them like th th there doesn't need to be a process for every single thing. And I, I just love turning people's brains back on. Yeah. So early on in development, like I'm working with Ann today, Ann doesn't work clinically with me in a while. And, and I'm just like, Ann, I want you to think about everything. I want you to see the patient. I want you to give me your opinion as to what we think we should do with the patient. I don't really want a dental assistant. Mm -hmm. I want another like dentist next to me. I love that. And I would love like Michelle, like we love Michelle. Michelle just, you know, she really started thinking about like each patient. So she'd come to me and be like, we have a patient in room two. And I'm like, what's going on? And she would look at me at the beginning, like, I don't know, they're here for whatever. And I'm like, don't ever do that with me. Like find out. And now she loves it. Right. She doesn't need to work. Right. You know, she had her baby and she, but she comes back to work because she's really into it. Now she's like, this person should have this and that. And they can actually, I'm using a bad word, but sell treatment because mm -hmm. they believe in what they're doing. Right. She can see the bite. She can see the fremitus. She can see why it's all needed to be done. Mm -hmm. Or Janet Taylor, or any of our people, or you. I mean, we believe in what we're doing. And even if it made us no money, the, treat, the, the treatment we recommend would still be recommended. Right. And that's a really cool place. Right. And it's alignment. And um, we all have you know, different personalities over work personality or home personality. And it's a beautiful thing when you can start um, consolidating all of your identities and have in integrity. And be the same person at work that you are at home and you have the freedom to express who you really are. It's, it's a really, I mean, I know we're getting all woo-woo here, but it's a really magical feeling. Right, it because really it's, it's life happening at all times instead of like your work-life balance type of thing. Or it's like, work. oh, you're just, you're just living. Right. You live at work and then right. you live at home and right. then you live at your kid's recital and then right. you live, you know, like are you, you're living all the time. You exactly. Know? You're in the moment, you're present. And it's not that bullshit of like, oh, when I retire... Mm -hmm. And that, and they think that's a big thing too. Like you got to find meaning in work. And uh, for those that have the ability to find meaning in work, you are so freaking blessed. Yeah. You're so blessed because when work is not treacherous and difficult, you don't really have to work. Right. You know, and then it's not that FML, it's Monday, you know, I can't believe I have to go to work. Thank God it's Friday. I mean, granted, we all like Fridays because right. work is hard, mm -hmm. but it's just good to know that you put it in the week and you had a good, you got a good time. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I want to circle back to circle one back. thing that I think, I think there's a question maybe from docs about how you can get your hygienist to think differently or like, you know, I, I, first of all, I want to say like, I don't know if you can get anyone to do anything. Like you can't make anyone do anything or like strong arm or force anyone into doing anything. But I think that one of the things that has helped me to turn my brain on and think like a practice owner the most is you giving me even just information about where you are as a practice owner, like how the practice is doing, what our numbers look like, what the goals are and why. Like, I, th I think that there's a disconnect with dentists and hygienists because one, a lot of us are, are compensated and I don't want to get into a whole compensation conversation, but like hourly, like not thinking of like the value that we bring to the hour or what that looks like from your standpoint as a practice owner. I think like, that's a big part of it. It though. is. It's there's a, there's a loss. It. There's a disconnect there. Yeah. Like not understanding why the numbers matter or why they should look a certain way. And like when we start to understand things a little more globally, and maybe everyone doesn't need that level of detail or information, but like I definitely do. And I know that a lot of hygienists are detail oriented. Like that's why we get into things this small. Like not everyone, but a lot of us are. Um, 
but just knowing like what, what our practice stats are and like what my compensation model looks like and why and how that impacts the practice. Like that I think makes that's me fundamental though. I, I, I mean, I know you said you don't want to get into a competition conversation, mm-hmm. but I think that's fundamental. Competition drives behavior. Yeah. And not that to say people are money hungry, but it's a way of keeping score. Mm-hmm. Not everybody brings the same talent to every hour. Right. You know, like it, it, humans are wired for for uh, improvement, right? You know, in the wild, we'll stockpot. You know, we we will try to improve our surroundings. Mm-hmm. We'll do better. That's just what we do. We're wired for that. So to put a human being in a workplace where it doesn't matter what you bring to the hour, you get the same result every single time. Yeah, that just goes against human nature. Human nature is we're wired for improvement. We want to just improve right. always. I yeah. mean, that's why we paint the walls of the Sistine Chapel. The only, you know, we're just we want to make our situation better. Mm-hmm. So I think you, when you talk about an hourly employee, it, it is actually going against the, the very fabric of what a human being is at its essence is someone who wants to improve their surroundings. And, and, and there has to be some sort of meritocracy. So um, I, I think we need to get, get, jump into that. It was, it, it was amazingly apparent to me that all of the hygienists should be on a compensation package mm-hmm. that, that functions as a percentage of their collections. I did it wrong. Mm-hmm. I forced it on people. You know, my prior self was like just... I guess full of like piss and vinegar. I just wanted to like jam it down everybody. Like, this is what you're going to do. It's going to be great. Come on. Right. And it actually pissed some people off. We lost, you know, Ashley who was awesome. Right. I loved Ashley, right. but it was just done improperly. And then also the boss going through that distinction of, you know, you're going to go on compensation. It's like, okay, what's this all about? It's different when the hygienist is like, Hey, this is what I make. Right. This is what I do. Yeah. And then Ashley started out here, you know, Kirsty started out here and this is what they're doing. Then they all want to do it. So I have a unique uh, benefit and that I have an engaged team mm-hmm. that does that conversation for me. Cause when I think when the boss is saying it, like, okay, the boss is trying to screw me over here. Right, like, what's right. in it? What, what is it? Right. But then I come and advocate for what I've had over right. the last seven years. Right. Like you're not going to, no one's going to argue with me. Right. You of know? course. I'm it's like credible. every single month I have made more, significantly more than I would have on an hourly wage, always, you know, always. On, yeah, always on yeah. collections. But, but you're, you have a unique purview to say that mm-hmm. and it, it just lands on them differently. Right. So I think it's really important that, you know, you create a culture that can speak for itself because, you know, there's not a lot of trust to a new employee. And that's why we also have amazing hygienists and we never have a shortage of employees, you know? So like, that's why you got Shay, Shay got Jenny, Jenny got Isadora, Isadora got, you know, it's like, it's, it creates its own thing. We don't have all the challenges that everybody has in the, in the dental world are like, you know, hygienists want too much money and we can't get them to work for us. And they don't appreciate anything. And we don't have any of those problems. Thank yeah, God. Yeah. Because of the culture and the leadership that you've built. Yeah. So well, it's really, really cool. All of that is them versus us. All of that is that misunderstanding and like yeah. people were just hitting a wall on both sides. Like right. there's just like lack of information and lack of like empathy and lack of like, I'm in your shoes and you're in mine kind of thing, you know, yeah. even sharing your struggles as a business owner, like yeah. your fears. You know, like when, I, when it, it is honestly powerful to be transparent with your team and not in like a woe is me type of way, but in a way that's like, hey, this is uh, our, the practice stats. I really want to keep the doors open here. Even, you know what I mean? Like, this is something that will impact everyone, our patients, our practice, me, you like, like, let's think about this a little bit more globally. Like you just being honest about like, uh, uh, oh my God, like the profit margin, yeah, like years back and being like, hey, like. It's yeah, tight. We like we got to change this. Yeah, like we, we this not for profit for something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, it. Yeah. <laughs> but now we're for profit. Yeah, we are so for look profit. at that. Yeah, like you inform true. the right people and you want to get involved and make sure that it's all good. Too, it's so know? funny because when we were in the non-for-profit days, my life was so stressful, <laughs> not only just from the lack of profit, but also just in that I had no help. So it was really, pardon me. It was really um, just a difficult time. And it's just, it's funny because you'll, 
things get easier and better at the same time. They get harder. It's, it's maybe that doesn't make sense. I hope it's, uh, does that make sense to you? I'm saying it got the, the function of what I did as a business owner became easier. Mm-hmm. And, like you delegated? Yes. Okay. And our results got better. Right. That so makes I was sense. working four times harder, getting four times worse results. Yeah. You did way more with less. Way, way more. Less of your own personal effort and energy. Right. You personally. Like, for example, I became the only, one of the only Invisalign providers. We did like, you know, half the cases we did this past year in 2021. Mm-hmm. So now I tapered my clinical hours to one day a week. And my fear was like, oh, shit, if I only do one day a week, we're not going to do any Invisalign. Mm-hmm. We did double what we've ever done before. Wow. So it's just that space, you know, that, that analogy that we always talk about. Like, I would pull back, create some space. You'd fill the space or other people would fill the space. Mm-hmm. And I think there's that measuring moment where you, you pull back a little further and then you jump even further yeah. and then pull back even further and jump even further. And I know you're, you're looking at me, you, you know, where I'm <laughs> going, dread. you know, where you're going with this. So, and I want to go there because like, you know, here, Brittany is completely dialed in our hygiene department. Everything's really going fantastically well. And I'm like, you got to share these secrets. You got to go on the Bulletproof. You got to jump in Bulletproof hygiene. And that was me like literally, you know, I, I would always jump five feet back from you and you'd come into the five feet, jump five feet back. And I decided to just jump a quarter mile. <laughs> come on, come on, do it. Jump it's in the water. It's great. Rude. It's very rude and kind of you. And, yeah. And, so, but I, I could see it was for your betterment. And I remember it, you know, you, you, there was a whole, I think every version of every challenge that we have create requires a new version of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So whether you're on Brittany 5.0, 6.0, I don't even know at this point, but you're, you're meant to evolve. You're meant to do that. And if someone cares for you, they're meant to bring that out of you. Yes. And I, I just remember the conversation was here. In fact, we were just, you were sitting here, <laughs> I was sitting there, yes. but it was like, you know, fuck it. I don't even know if I want to do this. Yeah. And you're upset and you're emotional about it. I'm like, you know, don't do it. Don't yeah. do it if you don't want to, you know, it's, I'm not, I'm here because I see you capable of doing it. I know you have a valuable voice. And, you know, without getting too spiritual, I, I do believe it's your obligation. If you've struggled, you've worked, you got to pay it forward and help your other people out. Yeah. That's true purpose and fulfillment. Like we have these four walls, we have our social experiment, but whatever we learn, it's incumbent upon us to pay it forward because mm-hmm. there's so many freaking people out there, hygienists and dentists alike that are consulting and they haven't done shit. I know. They haven't done anything. It's so interesting. It's, it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. And they're telling you how to do it. And that just really rubs me wrong. Yeah. I mean, I'm always in the podcast, like calling people out, but it's like, Listen, I, I recognize you don't have to be perfect to teach, but at least have some experience. You can p- talk about your failures. And, and um, I, I was so proud of you that you decided to, you know, reassemble, you know, into Brittany 5.0 or whatever you were at that time and do it. Yeah. And you crushed it. Yeah. I mean, that first Bulletproof Hygiene uh, Summit. Yeah. You know, right before the world shut down, COVID, like you rocked it. Yeah. Standing room only. And, and now, look, we got our summit coming up. Uh, in June in Nashville. And I mean, the hygiene tickets have been sold or like up with the, de- up at the same level as the dentist. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible what it's become, but like, it, again, that was like, you know, I'm looking from your perspective and like, what an interesting view you had at that moment, like seeing me cry and have a meltdown and say, yeah. I don't know if I want to do this. And also, you know, for you, I think that you knew a little bit that, that it was an identity crisis for me too. Yeah. And it was a little, it was very it was much about like, am I good enough? And am yeah. I this person? And can I, you know, be can I step into these shoes? Can I fill the void? And can I, can I do this? Am I right. capable? You know, in a lot of different same ways. Same exact iteration, same conversation that we've been talking about at the exact same time. Right. So when we had the leadership crisis and Jessica left and blah, 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 it's, can I fill these shoes? Right. Can I do it? Right. And then it's me too. Like, can I let go? Mm-hmm. Can, are we going to be okay? So someone has to believe, yes. someone has to believe, like yeah. I, I have to believe in you. 
and you have to believe in the process as well but it's trust and it's all this other stuff it's a lot of, it's a lot of trust and like i want to i'll i've thanked you for this personally many times but like thanks for giving me that space and the opportunity and then seeing me have a meltdown and still giving me more room yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm thankful that you're an L of one and you speak that language. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, no, he'd be like, bye. You're yeah. not the one. You're not the one. <laughs> you're not the one. You're not the one for this. But it is true. It's um and I think part of it too was that actually when you had that mini breakdown, and I don't breakdowns never bother me. No. You know, I always think of it like the the vase cracks. Yes, exactly. But what when the vase cracks, obviously water can leak out, but light can come in. Right. And it's the light that transforms us and and all of us are cracking at mm-hmm. any given moment. You, you know, there's future cracks for us. There's past cracks. We're all cracked. We're all flawed. Yeah. And as soon as you start realizing you have more grace for yourself and understanding for yourself and grace for other people, and then magic shows up. Yeah. And I, and I do believe at that moment when you were telling me like, fuck it, I don't want to do this and blah, blah, blah. I actually was totally cool with mm-hmm. your answer. Mm-hmm. I really, in past years i would have like i would have challenged you like come on what do you want to do with your life i go to like stung you Mm -hmm. i would like punched you like Mm -hmm. jabbed you and then this was like you know what you're awesome where you are you're doing a great job here and if you want to stay where you are that's totally cool i have no judgment and it was true i really meant it because if i was bullshitting you you would have felt it i would have felt it and i did i wasn't i didn't care wherever you were going to be was no and i know and i felt and i felt supported and loved and and even in that moment like this is a me personally thing but I think a lot of people may feel this way just like I know in that moment of meltdown and turmoil and like can I do this I already know the answer and I already know that like I'm gonna be okay and I already knew even then that it was a yes yeah it was just a a moment like old like you've said before like old Britney had to die and then like new Britney like had to and it's true like old version so breakdowns before breakthroughs kind of thing but the old version has to die all of the best things that have ever happened in my life have come post breakdown yeah me too all of the best things whether it's like like a a breakup a, a severing of this relationship a loss of something a resource an asset or covid COVID, something it's all like part of the evolution process and like i think what our breakdowns individually look like are different but like if we allow them and like see what are my fears here and kind of like address and step through and forward instead of like try and go around you know and avoid yeah. something there or the shame of the breakdown or the shame of the breakdown because you're like, why am i crashing exactly. look at sally over there exactly. she just kicks ass at everything yeah. and why is it so easy for dr jones right so i think that the suffering that we actually go through is cruel and unusual mm-hmm. because we believe as human beings we're the only ones going through it i agree with that that's the shitty part You're like why is it so hard for me no it's hard for everyone mm-hmm. it's hard for everyone and at 50 years old i have such a unique perspective because i have so many amazing iconic friends i have so many good people in my life and i get to share these conversations like even you john you're a freaking billionaire what are you worried he's like no 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 i have these moments yeah and i'm like oh damn everybody has them So, I mean, if I could impart that to you early, because, you know, you're, you know, 20 years behind me, it's just so cool that you can learn that stuff. What a, what an amazing thing for you to know that no matter what pinnacle of success you reach, you're still going to have your human failings. Mm -hmm. And that's cool. That's fine. Becoming more and more okay with that. And I think you pointed out recently, like you're noticing a change in like my resilience. You're noticing bouncing back and like rubber band effect a little bit quicker and yeah. like ah, okay meltdown all right let's move forward you, now you, ah, let's you move resolve on. quick bouncing back really quickly that's all you can hope for you can't right you can't not you can't wish you don't have the breakdown right that's just ridiculous it's, it's unrealistic it's gonna happen shit's gonna hit the fan you're gonna turn into like uh, you're gonna get upset mm-hmm. but if you can start 
getting resilient to you so you bounce back to your normal state quick mm -hmm. that's amazing like even tony said that tony said that like tony robbins would tell oftentimes tell tell in his in his se seminars he doesn't have like long stuff like he won't suffer long so he'll go he he knows it's human to suffer mm -hmm. but he he'll get he'll go through it quickly so maybe he'll have a 90 second breakdown right. versus a 90 day breakdown right. like when we were inexperienced. Mm -hmm. Like you just got to, you know, the emotional elasticity to go back to normal. That's all you can hope for in life. Yep. And I try to tell my kids that I'm like, I lose my cool. You lose your cool. Just, you know, get go through it and, and get back to normal quick. Because mm -hmm. like the old versions of ourselves, something shitty happens and it's two weeks of looking at the world in a shitty way. Yeah. And when you're in a shitty mental space, when your mind is in a shitty space, you're not resourceful. Yeah. You'll, you'll go. No, you're not. You stay it. stuck. It's you that stuck. you're in the downward spiral for sure. And then everything supports that narrative. Yep. My life sucks. It sucks. I can't believe I got to break out. Of the... And then you make macro movements like, you know, screw this whole dental thing. Yeah. I need to go do this. Yeah. You know, and you make these <laughs> macro movements when all you really need in life is just micro, micro adjustments. Yeah. I see people swinging left to right. They go, I'm going to California, go to New York. Like, no, I just kind of, you just need to go to Vero. Pivot. You know, I just need to go to like, just a small pivot. Yeah. What are you going to title this podcast? A lot of. This is uh, called the existential podcast with Craig and Brittany. Yeah. The, is <laughs> it, uh, what, what glass called of wine are you Melting on? down. I'm on the, I'm on the second glass actually. I, I don't glass. know if I like drinking on the podcast. I'm the opposite by the way. Yeah. Because I, I, I think people drink so that they feel like I do normally. In other words, like I, when I drink, I get quiet. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, I see. But I can't have you drink alone. That would be really weird. Yeah, would you have a problem weird. if you, you drink alone. You wanted Laphroaic. No, Lefroy I love my scotch okay, and yeah, I, okay, I'm good. enjoying the drink. Okay, it's good. just the drink plus right. the podcast is new for me. I, I did this once with Peter. Yeah. I had one beer with him. Like, I think I'm drunk. <laughs> <laughs> That's your knee jerk. You're drunk. I'm drunk. You're high. You're I'm drunk. Hammered. I'm hammered. <laughs> what else do you have on the agenda? Um... Uh, as a leader, I was just talking about, I mean, my perspective as a leader and, and making sure, like, knowing that you have my best interests at heart, knowing that you believe in me, knowing that you trust me, but we've kind of covered all of that stuff. And then another thing that we've talked about, so taking risk to give someone more space to try something new. And one thing, you know, we can talk about the Perry or Protect example of, like, you giving me some space to potentially crash and burn. Yeah. You know. That was a hard, uh, that was a hard moment for you because i think you were meeting with a lot of friction mm -hmm. and i didn't want to ease the friction i wanted you to kind of go through it right because like you have to break that inertia i remember you brought up to the doctors and some people didn't even care and they want to hear about it yeah yes and you made me get a consensus yeah. <laughs> so for the people who didn't want to hear they gave me no answer <laughs> and then the one person who didn't want to hear but didn't want it to move forward gave me a lot of answers and a lot of can like, you give me the initials of that person no <laughs> Come on, why not? Afterwards. It is, isn't it? Yeah, of course. She doesn't listen to us. Yeah. Okay. okay, okay, okay. Yeah, it was, it was uh, via email. So your prerequisite. Okay, so I went to visit Charissa, my yeah. hygiene counterpart, right, with Bulletproof Hygiene. You and Bolden set us up on the blind date. I went and visited Charissa. I learned a lot of what she does and how she's so highly productive. And one of the major things that I learned was about Perrier Protect trays. And then I started really, really diving deep and digging into the research, like the actual yeah. research, not just funded, obviously, by the company, but like the historic research, long term, whatever. So I did a lot of my own research. I fabricated, I fabricated actually the protocol for Perrier Protect at Spodak Dental Group. And then I emailed that protocol to all of our doctors because 
I had gone to you initially and said, Hey, if I, what would it take for me to bring this to our team? This is, you know, this is what it is. This would be the cost. This would be the benefit. This is how it benefits patients. I went through kind of it with you in a nutshell, because I know that you don't like all the details, but I went, I went through all of it in a nutshell with you. What would it take to get from this point where we have nothing, no one even knows about PeriProtect to this point when we're like enrolling all these patients in PeriProtect and everyone agrees and everyone's on the same page. What are the steps in between? And you said all the doctors have to agree and want this on board. Wow, that was a lofty uh, one. That was all pretty lofty. Or like all no, you said all of them, including okay. cab, like okay. including including our specialists. Like okay, everyone had to agree consensus like that <laughs> this was awesome. a good thing. So then I had to there was no other way. Like I had to create the protocol. And this is one of the examples of like wow, a lot of work behind the scenes happened in order for like something good to happen and be running really, really smoothly today at work every single day. You know, like I, I, I took a risk by saying like, hey, I'm going to fabricate this whole protocol and, and see if anyone even bites, you know, like potentially nothing happens after this. But I fabricated this whole thing, how we scan the, the lab process, what the cost is to the practice, who, who things are posted to, how it benefits the patient, the link for all the research, you know, it's a bunch of links. But you also, this, pro- you also posted the business sense as well. Yeah. Like why is it a good idea for the, for the property? I did. The I did all the costs. Just like the last course you talked about, mm-hmm. you didn't just say like, Hey, I've been here for eight years and I'd really like to have this course. And it's going to cost this much money. It'd be really nice for me. Mm-hmm. You like created a business, like a very short, here's what it is. Here's why it'd be a really good business idea. Right. So I think that's a great piece of information for all those people that are looking for, you know, ways to make more money and make the, you got to bring it to a business. It's a business idea. Yeah. And that's what, like, when two people in unrelated businesses get together, they don't say, hey, I'd really like you to pay me more money. Like, here's what I can do for your company. Right. Here's why it's worth it for you to pay me 20% of what I'm going to do because you're going to make a lot of money too. So uh, kudos to you. But I also knew, like, bringing an idea to a bunch of non-aligned doctors is going to be so difficult for you. Yeah. If you can get that shit done, <laughs> you can probably get Paraprotect through. So it's like a, it's its own natural selection. Like, if yes. you can actually do that. <laughs> So I just know, like, yes. if you can't get that done, yeah. it wouldn't have, you know, so you had to have a certain amount of grit and tenacity to get it accepted. Yeah. And that grit and tenacity created the momentum to actually implement and get it going. Right. So you were like survival of the fittest. Okay, yeah, go. Go, yeah, go, <laughs> go for ahead. it. Yeah. Yeah. The and then cliff. I did. And then I did. And then I got a lot of um, some feedback and sometimes zero feedback. And I had to chase those doctors around the practice and tell them as they were walking down the hallway how perioprotective is good for our practice. Yeah. And no, you, you started doing slideshows and you did like, here's the had a really good result before. Oh, after. right, right. In huddle. So in the huddle. In huddle like, yes. Hey, this is right. before That's and this right. is after. That's right. Does anybody see the tissue being healthy? Yes, yes. So. And I, I answered. So, so yeah, the person who had a lot of questions and a lot of pushback was like, are we going to do follow-up salivary testing to make sure that it's working? And I'm like, no, because we don't do that after traditional therapy, which is NSPG. Like, why would we do it for this therapy? We can yeah. see the clinical results. Like there's a period chart for a reason. Yeah. There's bleeding points for a reason. Like those are the things that we measure. Like yeah, that's those, how we're going to, you know, so, yeah, right. Those, exactly. Well, they are subjective, I guess, but. Oh, uh, sorry. Objective points. <laughs> sorry. Don't they call can. me out on my own freaking podcast. <laughs> the probe is a ruler, Dr. Craig. It's very specific. I know, but you can just push I'm a little harder. You can just over-angulate. Yeah, underangulate, overangulate. You can do many things. It yeah. is actually objective and subjective. Okay. Okay. So I'm beside right. the point. Okay, beside, yeah. we, we digress. Anyway, today Perry Protect is onboarded. <laughs> yes, it is. And now it's we're onboarding salivary testing too. Yes. Well, that's already onboarded. Actually, it's been onboarded. And the reason I sent the email and the reason that I'm interested in taking the bail Dunian certification is so that I kind of understand a little bit more comprehensively how and why salivary testing will benefit our patients and how it will lead to higher treatment acceptance and how it will benefit 
our practice as a whole. And it's also good evidence to show how the, the therapies that we're doing are effective. A hundred percent. Yeah, know? for sure. hundred percent. Because it feels kind of frustrating for some patients who have, you know, recurring, you know, periodontal diseases recurrent in nature, but not making any progress. Like, I feel like I'm not making any progress, right. you know, but no, you're looking better. And then, oh, look at the, look at the bacterial count. Look at the right. type of bacteria that we've Speaking about object- objectivity. Exactly. That right. is a very, very measurable way to say like, hey, this is the difference that we've been making and. And even recommend specific treatment protocols and systemic antibiotics when that's indicated for like refractory cases and that sort of right. thing. So it's, it's, it can be a very helpful tool. I mean, look at how much more metrics we're looking at with our bodies. Like I have the aura ring and people have Fitbit and they have the gyms, they have body fat analysis. You mm-hmm. just, even if you're not seeing physical progress, at least seeing those numbers and showing that you are making good headway is very rewarding. It's like gamification. Yes. And patients often come in and they just feel like sometimes they're hopeless and not getting any, they, they can't analyze their own level of care and how, how they're progressing over time. They just rely upon what you guys are doing. Right. But I do like the idea that like when we're talking about like physical fitness and, you know, fitness tracking, I think hygiene, the hygienist is like a personal trainer because, um, you know, people are not going cause they're sick. So mm-hmm. people are visiting their medical providers because they're sick. They're trying to get unsick and their, their hygienist relationship is just always focused on getting optimally healthy. So you're doing great. You're healthy, but there's another level for you. There's healthier. So it's this very interesting, like coaching relationship and you kind of bring people along. It's, I, I love it. I just love, I love hygiene. I think it's a great profession for, for people to entertain. I think it's just so rewarding. It really is cool. It's very rewarding. And, and unfortunately the narrative is such that like, got to get off, get out of the, out of the, out of the operatory. And you know, I think that's unfortunate because there's so much fulfillment that can be within the walls of your, of your treatment room and all the people you get to serve. It can be. It, it, and a lot of it depends on a lot of the things we talked about tonight. The environment, the correct. Environment, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's amazing. We go to different dental offices. Each office is so freaking unique. It's like we're all in different industries. It's amazing. Yeah. What's next in the agenda, Britt? Nothing. We we have reached the uh, we the, reached the, the end. end. The, the end. end. Of the we agenda? didn't even drink that much. I think that more we're drinking talking is, too much. is necessary. Okay. Well, <laughs> we'll stop the recording and we'll pound the rest of exactly. it. Exactly. If you want to see what happened at the rest of this thing, comment below. Post recording. Yeah, post recording. Exactly. Hashtag, we'll put a picture on us. Like, hashtag Spodak shitface. Yeah, exactly. Hashtag. Are you working tomorrow? Uh, not until 10. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, so I got space. Yeah, well Give me space it. and autonomy, please. Right, you have it. You have it. <laughs> hey, well, Brittany, I really appreciate your um, your being on this inaugural edition of the uh, headphone podcast. Yeah, the in person headphone podcast. It's very different. I like it. It is. I feel honored to be the first uh, headphone podcaster here. Yeah, and uh, I just uh, want you to know, and I know you know this, but I want to say it again publicly: um, this place is so much better because of you. And personally, I'm better because of you. And that's a really cool thing to be able to tell somebody: um, work doesn't just have to be treachery. Work can be a source of your fulfillment. Where it can be a source of your identity, where it can be the place that you serve other people. It can be um, your spiritual or whatever identity you have. It can be incorporated in that. And if we can create the framework and the space for people to understand that work can be totally different, then we're doing a good thing for dentistry and doing a good thing for people. Thank you for the huge compliment. And I agree 100% with all the latter things that you said and the former things you said, said actually. Well, cheers, Brent. Cheers. And with that, we'll end.